Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Boy, is there a lot of excess with that. But be filled with the Spirit. So that's what our little subject is going to be today. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. I think it's interesting that both Peter and Paul used intoxication as a a theme. That uh, there's a lot of similarities between people that are filled with the Spirit and alcoholics. And uh, I... uh, I'd like to give you a couple of those today. If you open your Bible to the book of Acts, which is what we refer to it as all the time, but it, it, it may come as a surprise to you that that's really not the name of the book. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. And um, it's got 28 chapters. And um, why don't you, is that Matthew back there? Matthew, give us the last chapter of Acts and the last verse. The last verse of Acts chapter 28. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Period. That's how it stops. Now I could give you example after example to where it'll say something like this. The blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ be on you all. Amen. One book says world without end. Amen. Romans does it. The letters to the Corinthian church does it again and again. Every one of those books have an amen at the end. But not Acts. Acts doesn't end. It's still going on. And we, the church today are nothing more than the latest chapter in the ongoing saga of this living thing called the body of Christ. And um, there, 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 are, there are a couple books in the Bible that are only one chapter long. And um, the most prominent one in the New Testament is the book of Jude. And the most prominent one in the Old Testament is known as Obadiah. And uh, I think there's a lot of similarities because just as the book of Acts is the record of the apostles, the book of Jude is the record of the apostates. And um, the Old Testament counterpart of the book of Jude is the book of Obadiah. And if you 
read that, it'll open up with, how art thou cut off? And there's an exclamation point. So it's not a question. It's, it's amazement. How are you cut off? If the great gatherers would have come to you, they would have left something on the vine. If the thief would have come, he would have left something in the house. But he said, when I get done with you, the only thing living in your house are going to be birds and bats. And you go, what, it, what in the world does that mean? And to understand that, you have to go back to the book of Genesis. And you have the story of these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And um, Jacob ended up with the blessing and the birthright. And his brother said, I'm going to kill you. So he, his mom basically got him a bus ticket out of town and sent him to his uncle's house. But it was several days journey. And he ends up camping out the first night at a place called Luz. And um, it was there that he had this dream of, of a ladder and angels going up and angels coming down. And, and he woke up and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And it says he turned his pillow into a pillar and he took a bottle of oil and he anointed that ground. And this is what Jacob said. If God will be with me, if he'll give me food to eat, raiment to wear, and if he'll bring me back to my father's house in peace, then he will be my guy, my God, and I will tithe unto him. And so people that say tithing begins with the law, ends with the law, nah, tithing goes all the way back to the beginning. Here's Jacob knowing about tithing a long time before Exodus 20 ever showed up. And, and he goes away. Near as I can tell, he's gone away 28 years. He comes back. He's got a huge family, servants. He's blessed. And uh, your brother's coming. He's got 300 men with him. He's going to kill you. So, as most of us do when we're looking at death in the face, it's time to get spiritual. And so, uh, Jacob went to pray. I don't find him praying any time at Laban's house. But he goes to pray, wrestles with an angel. His name is changed to Israel, which means power with God and influence with men. He meets his brother. This is what it says, when they saw one another. They ran and fell on each other. So it looks like reconciliation, but it's not accurate. Because there's an old statement that says it's time to bury the hatchet. I think Esau buried the hatchet in his brother's back. And I'll tell you why. Because in the book of Genesis, especially chapter 36, it's very clear and it says Esau is Edom. There's a couple words here. Edomites, Amalekites, whatever, termites, whatever. Um, it's all the same bunch. They're all descended from Esau. And so when you study the book of Genesis, it's very clear that Genesis, that, that, that Esau has a boy by the name of Eliphaz. In Genesis 36, in 10 and 12, it says Eliphaz had a boy named Amalek. 
So Amalek is Esau's grandson. But the story is horrible because Israel goes into captivity in Egypt. They're in Israel for 430 years. However, all of that time was not bondage. It took a couple hundred years for the influence of Joseph to, to, to be gone. So basically the last 150 years of their captivity, all they did was lay bricks and have kids. And um, when they get out or the exit, the exodus, it's in Exodus chapter 17. They've just basically come through the Red Sea. They're just beginning their journey, and it says, Then cometh Amalek. And the first fight that Israel had after they got out of Egypt was with their own cousins. And this is the place where Moses' hands are up. And Aaron and her are lifting up their hands, and, and they're lifting up his hands. And as the mans of Moses stay up, you got to realize Joshua is leading an army. They, 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 they're not trained. They, they haven't been allowed to own weapons for the last 150 years. This is a, a very young, untried army. And yet they win a great battle because Moses' hands were up. And this is very pivotal because when you get to the book of Deuteronomy... There's 40 chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, but it's, it's basically the last sermon of Moses before he goes. And in chapter 25 of the book of Deuteronomy, this is what Moses said. Don't you ever forget what Amalek did to you, by the way. And it's 700 years later when Saul is king. That the prophet goes to Saul and says, it's time to destroy Amalek. And it says that Saul destroyed the Amalekites from Havilah to Shur, which is about 1,600 square miles. In the middle of the night, God woke up the prophet Samuel and said, I want you to go rebuke Saul and strip him of his kingdom. Samuel meets Saul, and it's a fascinating Exchange this as soon as Saul saw Samuel, he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. To which Samuel said, What then meaneth the lowing of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Because he had told him, I want you to utterly destroy Amalek. Get rid of the men, get rid of the women, get rid of their flocks, get rid of their herds, kill the dog, the cats, get rid of them, all of them. If they're all gone, Saul, why do I hear these cows and these sheep? And he said, oh, wait till you see what we got at the bottom of the hill. The Bible said that when Agag, who was the king of Amalek, saw the prophet coming, he straightened himself, brushed off his jacket, Made sure everything, because he knows this preacher's going to give him a get-out-of-jail card. And he did get out of jail for a very short time. When they released Agag, Samuel took a sword 
and in what is the most, I think, the most brutal verse in the Bible, it says that Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord. He chopped him up with that sword. He's splashed and splattered with blood. He goes up to the king, grabs his garment, tears it off of him, and he says the same way that I've ripped your garment off of you, your dynasty is being taken from you today, and no one from the house of Saul will sit on the throne, and no one's even going to be alive. And if you know your Bible, when David became king, one of the first things David asked was, is there anybody left from the house of Saul? And all that remained was one limping grandson by the name of Mephibosheth, that we have no Bible for him ever having an heir. So the prophecy of Samuel came true. What is even more horrible is when you get into the first chapter of 2 Samuel, a man comes up to David and said, you know that rotten father-in-law you had? Don't you worry, I took care of him. I found him wounded on a battlefield and I took my sword and I killed him for you. And David said, uh, come over here, Joab. Now you take this guy and kill him right now. Because David was doing what the prophet had said. You kill every Amalekite you come in contact with. Isn't it amazing that the thing that Saul allowed to live ended up bringing his own demise? Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as peaceful coexistence with Satan. All right? One time I did a message years ago. People thought it was so strange. And I preached on the biblical virtue of hatred. And people thought that was so strange. But... uh, the, here's, I got, the Bible said Job eschewed evil. He hated evil. There are some things we need to love and there are some things we need to learn to hate. We need to hate dead church. We need to hate empty, undisturbed baptistries. We need to hate prayerless prayer meetings. All right? Worshipless worship services. There are things that it's... The Bible said you can be angry and yet not sin. There are some things it's right to be mad at. When Jesus chased them money changers out of the temple, I promise you the jugglers were sticking out of the side of his neck. He was mad, but he was mad with a righteous vengeance. And that's accurate to be able to do some of these kind of things. When Saul refused, there are some things in our life, ladies and gentlemen... We're just going to have to stomp them out. I don't care what it takes, man. They're like roaches. You just got to get rid of them every way that you can. Don't let that thing stay alive in your spirit. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. And what's amazing is you fast forward to the book of Obadiah. And it's talking about the Edomites who are nothing more than Amalekites, the descendants of of Esau and, and, and what he's... Have you ever heard of a place called Petra? Petra, Petra, whatever. If you ever saw the movie with uh, Indiana Jones and he said, there, there it is. Rides through this little narrow chasm and comes up. This is, this, this is, this is where the descendants of Esau ended up. They went in through a small valley. Have you ever heard that phrase that Alexander the Great destroyed all the armies and when there were no more armies to conquer he cried himself to death that's not true 
This is the one place that Alexander the Great was not able to conquer because he couldn't get his war machines back through these narrow channels. The, the history says that these people put old women on the top of those cliffs and rolled rocks on his soldiers and they made a human barricade so that they couldn't get in. What happened was, is the trade routes changed. These people built an entire community back and carved this stuff out of these, these walls and, and sandstone and, 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 and beautiful elaborate stuff. They used cisterns and caught their own water, basically living off the grid. But what they didn't plan on was that the trade routes changed. And when the trade routes changed, they abandoned this elaborate place. And it was hundreds of years before it was ever discovered again. But the prophecy of Obadiah came true. He said, though you make your nest among the stars, and though you dig you out your own cisterns, he said, if the grape gatherers came, they would have left some grapes. If the thief came, he would have left a piece of furniture. But he said, when I'm done with you, there's nothing left except spider webs and bat guano. How? Art thou cut off? And this is an amazing analogy because the Obadiah is the Jude of the Old Testament. And what is so amazing is when you get to the book of Jude, you don't say chapter 1 and verse 19. There's only one chapter. But in Jude verse 19, it says this very, very plainly. These have not the Spirit. Acts is the apostles. They got the Spirit. Jude is the apostates. They have not the Spirit. It's just so obvious, ladies and gentlemen, when Paul one time said, are you so foolish that you started out in the Spirit and you think you're going to be perfected in the flesh? That that amazing verse that says, not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I have a friend in Louisiana, Jerry Dean, who told me a story about a woman that brought a pitcher of a cow to uh, uh, one of the, the drugstores in Bossier City. And, and, and the lady said, this, this is the last pitcher of daddy. And I, 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 we, want, we want you to, to, so we can see our dad. And, and the, the man was completely confused, you know. He, he didn't know if the woman was a Hindu. She, you know, he was the highest caste coming back as a bull. She didn't know, or he didn't know. And finally she said, no, 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 no. Look at the back legs of the cow. Look beyond the legs. Do you see those, those two boots back there and that little three-legged milking stool? Daddy is on the other side of the cow. She, he said, hey, what do you, she said, I want you to get rid of, cat, dad, get rid of the cow so we can see Daddy. This is the last picture that we have of our dad. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am, we, we, we can't. She said, oh, yeah, sure, you got Photoshop, you got all that other stuff. Use some of that computer wizardry and, and make the cow go away. And, and of course, he, he told her that's not possible. She went to repeated stores in the city, and ultimately, it ended up in the newspaper. And, and when my friend was telling me this humorous story, instantly, I just thought of something else that, 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 that spoke to me in my heart. It's like, there are just some things technology will never be able to do. I love toys. I, I, I really do. I, don't, I, 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 I used to have a wood shop. I might have one in the future here. I'm trying to put it back together. But, 
My, my wife told me one time, she said, you're not building much, but boy, you sure are buying lots of tools. And, uh, and I just, I, I love toys, man. I just do. And when in this church, man, I want, I want flat screens and, and, and computers and software. And I, I, want, I, want, I want people to come and go, wow, that's nice. You know, that's, I, that's just the way I am. I, I don't believe you serve the bread of life out of a garbage can. And I, I think the house of God the Bible said should be exceedingly magnificent in all fame and glory. And we're going to build a new church in the grass in a couple years. And I'm not going to put my name on it if it ain't going to look halfway decent. I just can't build a corrugated tin shack for my king. I just, I can't do that. I just can't. And, 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 and it, 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 it's, it's so important for, 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 us, for us to make this understanding and, 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 and make this connection be, be, because... I don't care how many flat screens we have. It's a cheap substitute for anointing. It's a cheap substitute for conviction. It'll never work. It'll never make someone want to mend their marriage. It'll never make someone want to leave Jack Daniels or throw their cigarettes away or whatever their drug of choice may be. It's not going to do it. We desperately... I mean, come on, man, we're, 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 we're up against the internet and, and all the bells and whistles and stuff, but we've got something that none of, our trump card is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's what they don't have and we do have, and we better make sure we keep. Because ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, there's nothing worse than dead Pentecost. Because it's all a lie. It's all a lie. We're talking about life and it's lifeless. We're talking about worship and there's none going on. Nothing's more of a sham than dead Pentecost. And, 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 and it's so important that, that we plant and we water, but only God gives the increase. I think there are similarities between alcoholics and people that are renewed in the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. The word drunk means overwhelmed, intoxicated, inebriated, soused, ripped, sloshed, or my personal favorite from Brother Webster, under the influence. When I went to Bible school, they called it the WOG, the WOG, W-O-G, an acronym for will of God. Because we heard that phrase again and again. And as a young Christian and an aspiring minister, that was just such mystical stuff. What is the will of God for my life? And it just seemed so, so, it was almost like voodoo, man. It was, it was, it, it, it was just, you know, it wasn't out of sight, but it was like out of reach. It was all, all just never quite within the realm of latching onto it and figuring this out. But, but I, 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 Renee's grandfather told me something so powerful years ago. She, I, I was in, we were in Atlanta and we, 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 we had just finished remodeling another church and we had a, a brand new house. We didn't have any furniture. We had a brand new house and, and, and Renee had put her stamp on it and, and it was, it was just a, it was just a great place. And we, after three months, we were driving in the car and she looked at me and she said, dear Lord, we're done, aren't we? And I said, yep, we are. 
And she said, where are we going to go? And I said, I haven't got a clue. But the next day, I was called to come here. And, and I called a, a dear friend of mine, his brother Pugh. And I said, look, I, we're in Atlanta. It's going good. We love the city. We, we've been asked to come to Michigan. I don't know what to do. Should I go or should I stay? And he told me this terrible story. He said, I was in Port Arthur, Texas. And he said, we had just built a new church and we had just built a new house. And he said, I got an offer to go to St. Louis to work for home missions director. And he said, I went and into a room in the church and, and sought God. And he said, after several hours of seeking the Lord, I felt impressed of the Lord that he told me, I'll be with you if you go. So he said, I got up from my prayer and I went and he said, before I could open the door to leave that room, the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, but I'll be with you if you stay. <laughs> and he said, Harold, Abraham was blessed wherever he went. He said, if you want to stay in Georgia, stay in Georgia. If you want to go to Michigan, go to Michigan. He said, God's going to bless you and Renee wherever you go. And it, it freed me. Because I developed this simple philosophy that says the will of God is an open door. And when a door opens, you walk through it. And if you feel good, you do it. And if you feel checked, you run for your life. It's as simple as that. When somebody dies, they usually have a will, a last will and testament. So you've got an Old Testament and you've got a New Testament. What is the last will and testament? What did Jesus say before he died? Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. You want to know what the will of God is? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the will of God. You, you can, you can, you can, you don't have to be IBM compatible. This doesn't have to have seven motherboards and 300,000 moving parts. It, it, it doesn't need to be that way. I'm just telling you from personal experience, the greatest asset you have at your disposal is to be renewed in the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. You need to come under the influence. All right? Because every family in America is, has, or will in the very near future be affected by alcohol. My, my family, I, I still remember Bill Cosby became famous when I was a kid and he had this friend named Weird Harold. And so that's what my nickname was through most of my school years. And I hated, I hated being called Weird Harold. And, uh, and uh, I felt I was more sane than the whole bunch of them. And, uh, but I was the weirdo, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, he, what people do, but they call us nuts, you know, because we serve the Lord the way we do. And, and <laughs> I, 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 I had a box fall on the floor in my father's closet and this gold heart with a, with a, a purple ribbon and George Washington was on the floor. I had never seen anything like that, but it was shiny. And, and it was impressive, and I picked it up, and I turned it over, and it said, Harold Eugene Hoffman on the back of this. And I remember taking it to my dad and saying, what is this? 
And he said, you go put that away now. Go put that back where you found it. And he was upset. And I'll talk to you about that one day. Not now. I, I had touched a nerve with my dad. I had no idea the history. In time, I began to learn that my dad had an older brother that he deeply loved. And he was drafted and was in that invasion in Sicily. And they figure he lasted about eight minutes. And before he died, before he left on that Higgins boat to go to the beach, he had signed a $10,000 insurance policy. And, and, and it, 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 the, the whole thing was just a mess. And I, I've never, even to this day, been able to get the straight answer. But as near as I can tell, my grandmother committed suicide because she couldn't deal with the fact that her boy was never coming back. He, they buried him over there in Italy and brought him back years later, but it was at much years longer after she had died. And, and, and my dad lied about his age and went into the military. And, and, and my dad had three sisters. He had Gracie and LaVon and Mary, and, 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 and Gracie was the youngest. And when he came back from the military, my, 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 my aunt Gracie said, uh, I wanna go to college. And, and so my dad went to his father and, and said, where's Harold's money at? We need to send Gracie to college. And in 1948, my grandfather told my dad, there's nothing left. I drunk it all. All I, I remember seeing my grandfather one time. I'm, I'm on a roof with my dad in this little house that we lived in. And my grandfather, Ofa, came through the gate and I still remember this massive red bulbous nose that he had because of all that yeast from the beer that he drunk. And, and uh, as near as I, I went to his funeral, and I, I just remember I was the only one crying. Nobody else was crying at the funeral. They thought that was so strange, but there just wasn't a lot of love lost on my grandpa Ofa when he died. And it just, it just, it just devastated. It devastated the family. And, and that's why I've always had such great reverence for my dad who had no example of a father whatsoever. But I've had a wonderful dad and a great example in front of me all of these years. And I'll tell you why, because the Lord trained him. He said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I saw that happen to my daddy and I had a great dad and I have great memories of my dad. And, and it's all because Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. That, 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 that's what it's all about. It's just, let, let me give you some lessons from an alcoholic. I'm going to teach you how to get drunk. Okay, watch. It's, it's real simple. You get the lesson, yeah? You got to keep drinking. You can't stop. You just got to keep on. Got some God? Good. Now get some more. Had a breakthrough in prayer? Have another one. All right? You forgave someone? Forgive someone else. Are you proud of what you gave? How about giving again? Did you worship last Sunday? Worship this Sunday. You got to just keep doing it again and again and again. I'm not talking about a nip. I'm not talking about a touch. I'm, I'm talking about souse. There's an easy way to avoid hangovers. Stay drunk. I, I, I just, I, I think we've got too many people in, in Pentecost that, that, that are on a hangover. 
I, I really do. You ever seen people in hangovers? They're mean. They, you don't want to get around them. They're upset about usually everything. I, 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 I've met people that get sick of worship. Well, they're sick of prayer, sick of giving and loving and forgiving and going. And it's just, it's just, I, 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 had, a, I had a call yesterday. A precious pastor was here two years ago from South Dakota. And, and, and Traylon was with him in, in Virginia. And, and while, while, while I, 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 it was a long story, but, but uh, I, I told him, I said, we would love to partner with your church and we would, we would love to help. And he, he said, well, what, what does that mean? I said, well, you're, you're probably going to need a good evangelist sometime in the near future. When you do, you, you call us and, and, and we'll, we'll finance your meeting. And he looked at me and he, was, and he said, you're serious. You, you would do that for us. I said, Ab- absolutely, we would do it. And so yesterday he called me and he said, do you remember that promise that you made to me two years ago, Brother Hoffman? He said, we, 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 we need a good meeting right now. And he said, would you, would you, he said, if you can't, I said, oh no, I remember. I said, you put us down, buddy. We'll pay for the motel. We'll pay for the food. We'll pay for the preacher. We'll do it all. And I could, it so moved him and I could tell what was going on. It's just, that's who I am. That's who this church is. That's what we're going to do. I'm never going to get tired of worshiping. I'm never going to get tired of giving. I'm never going to get tired of forgiving. I'm not going to do that. It's a way of life with me. It's a way of life with this church. Don't ever get on a hangover. I ain't going to prayer meeting. I'm not going to church. Fine, stupid, then go to hell. But let me tell you what, when you get there, tell hell, I ain't coming. Tell hell, Harold, don't wait for Harold. Harold and Renee ain't showing up. I'm 63 years old, for goodness sake. I can't afford to mess this up now. I'm way past half of my life being over. I'm on the other side of this. I got to do my best to finish strong. I, I found out sober, sober people hate drunks. They get on your nerves. Why don't you just shut up and sit down? The only way to get along with a good drunk guy, get drunk with him. There's nothing in your life a good drink won't take care of. I love Bible study, but the letter killeth. It's the spirit that giveth life. You, you, you read Acts 17. Paul went to Mars Hill, Areopagus. I mean, these are smart guys, dude. And, and, and he, Paul, Paul, Paul has been trained by Gamaliel. He, he's been to the best seminary in the world. And, and I, he didn't do it, but if it was me, I, 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 just, I just remember taking so much math and science when I was young and, and when we, we don't balance checkbooks now uh, thank God for a chase account you just get on it tells you to the penny what you got and, and, and people ask me do you store stuff in the cloud I said no man I got Valerie I, I don't need a cloud I got Valerie Valerie's my cloud I don't remember my passwords, but at the craziest times, I'll say, Valerie, what's the password to my account? And she endures, God loved Valerie for her patience with me. My God, have mercy. And, it, and, it, and I, I, I still remember one day, I was trying to balance my checkbook, and I thought, man, I used to do calculus, but it's not going to help me right now. 
Why in the world did I waste all of this time on all this math and science and I'm a pastor? You know, I think that's the way Paul felt. He had been at this amazing seminary. All of a sudden, he, he comes to Mars Hill in Athens. It's almost like, all right, now you ignorant Pentecostals, you stay here. These are my kind of people, okay? You don't have a degree. I, I'm, I'm educated. They are. You aren't. I got this one, boys. I got, watch this. And he gets up there, and he dips his tongue in a rainbow and gives this amazing discourse and does poetry and talks about Stoics and Epicureans and all that and, and, and is totally convinced. He's wowing them. And at the end of what we'll never know, but it would have been an amazing sermon to have a, a recording of that. But, 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 but all those, those wise guys on, on top of Mars Hill, you know what they did? They said, thanks a lot, Reverend. Next. Oh, if you ever come back, we'd like to hear later on. Bye. That's Acts 17. Now watch what it says in Acts 18 and verse 1. Paul came to Corinth. We got two letters that he wrote to the Corinthians. But watch what he said in the first letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 2. I came to you not with excellency of speech or wisdom. Why? I just tried that in the last place. It didn't work. Okay? Declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much preaching and much trembling, but my speech and my preaching this time was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. He said, I'm not going to use a, a, I don't need a thesaurus this time. I don't, I don't need alliteration. I, I, I'm not going to dip my tongue in a rainbow. I'm going to tell you about a guy named Jesus that died on the cross, shed his blood for you and for me, lived in that grave, came out by his own resurrection power. That's what we're after right now. L ladies and gentlemen, I've, been, I, I've, I've given my life to try and be a good preacher. And I really am a good preacher because I preach the truth. And anybody that preaches the truth is a great preacher. But we need more than, or, or, than, than oratory. We need more than just nice flowery words right now. I, I, I remember hearing a story of an old preacher in North Carolina when he read that thing in Acts that said, uh, these are not drunk as you suppose. He, he, his sermon title was, we ain't drunk as we pose to be. Now that might sound not real educated to you, but that's brilliant in its concept because we ain't drunk as we pose to be. There are, people, aren't you worried about it getting out of control? We ain't even near close to getting out of control yet. If this thing gets, there's, there's a fine line between glory and goofy. And if it starts getting goofy, then the spirit of the prophet, I'll, I'll correct that thing. But listen to me. There's nothing that drives away devils like anointed Holy Ghost worship. That's going to do nothing but disturb devils. We're not going to do this with clever program. We got nice program. We got a nice building. We got all kinds of toys and tricks and tools in this place. But that's a, not going to break somebody out of their carnality. That's not going to break somebody out of their fear and their anxiety and their terror and their horror. We have got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus' name. Folks do things when they're drunk. They'll never do when they're sober. I had a neighbor named Red Postal. Red Postal was the meanest old cuss you ever met, and really did cuss a lot. But he had the nicest pear tree in the whole little village where I lived. And me and my pals would do our best to try and figure out where Red was so that we could sneak in his yard and steal some of them. He never ate one of them pears. Them pears just laid on the ground and rotted and, and the bees and got most of them. But when we could, we'd sneak into Red Postal's yard and we'd get some of them beautiful pears off his tree. He caught me one time. He started throwing them pears at me, cussing at me. Get that blankety, blankety, blank out. Get back And it was like, you, you sorry looking old codger, you. you. You won't even give me a pear for goodness sakes. I remember one time he had a big old deer hanging in his tree. And, you know, I loved that stuff. So I wanted to go up and see it, man. And I, I just walked up just halfway up his driveway. And he said, get the blankety, blankety, blank out of here. Get, get out of here, get out of here. You know, and it's just. But boy, when Red got drunk, he was the sweetest guy in the world. And Red Postal had a pig. And we always knew when Red tied one on. Because everywhere he went, he went with that pig. He put a leash around it just like it was a dog. And you could hear Red Postal at midnight coming across the bridge talking to that pig, man. And it was, and we always knew, hot dog, we can get some pears now. Because man, he got that booze in him and he turned out to be a really nice guy. Last week, I'm up here as I'd try to every Sunday. I, I'm not waiting for that clock. That, when that clock goes down to zero, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm not sitting, I'm standing, ready to go. That's just, I don't need that clock, man. That, it's like Bo Schimbeckler said, if you're on time, he said, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. You know, and it was just, uh, man, that's, I, I don't want to be on time for church or, I, or just late for church. You know, do you understand my concept about this? See, there's, not, there's nothing that I do right now. My preaching is not going to amaze Jesus. And he's going to say, wow, Harold, I never knew that about myself. I guess I really am pretty great, aren't I? There's nothing about my preaching that's going to make Jesus say, wow. Don't you understand? The word is for the body of Christ, but the worship is for him. And if all you ever do is show up on time to hear me, you're a greedy bum. Because all you want to do is get fed. Gimme, 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 and be this narcissistic cancer culture that we're living in right now. Show up, not on time. Be here ready to go when the thing counts down. All right? That's great preaching right there. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Better. Okay, better. Getting better. That's the way it ought to be. Thank you. I mean, I mean, Draylen, Dray, you know, Draylen didn't write it. James Wilson wrote it, but Draylen was the first one to really sing it. And that's where it got most of the airplay with Draylen. I was with Draylon at the Bible school a couple weeks ago, and we did a staff retreat in Indianapolis, and, and so we went over to the Bible school, and we went down to the music wing, and, 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 and you know, if, if, if 
they encouraged the students to write songs. And, and it was, it, I learned, not from Draylon, I learned from someone else, that if you got one of your songs on, on, on IBC's new, new project that they did there, that was, that was just a star in your crown, dude, if you, if you got one of your songs on their tape. But if you got to be the soloist on that song, it was even better. And I'm walking down that hall, and all of a sudden they got all these CD covers of all the projects they've done, and, and, and here's, here's there, and there's Draylon's song, and he's the soloist on that thing, and he wouldn't tell me that. He, you know, uh, he told me he got hit by a car when he was nine. I never knew that. And, and, and he got $27,000 insurance and a trust that, that no, one of, no one in his family could get that money and until he turned 18. And, and when he turned 18, he said, I always wanted to go to Bible school. And, and, and he said, when I got done, graduated from Bible school, Pastor Hoffman, it, it cost $27,000. And I'll say, thank God Draylon got hit by a truck. <laughs> it's just, so they got this song, you know. I heard... Uh, um, Garth Brooks uh, one time, he, he got a song uh, Friends in Low Places and, and if you're a country western song you know, if you're a country western fan you know that song but it starts out with just a couple little notes on a guitar but, 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 but he's in amphitheaters and he doesn't sing a word, all he does is play them three or four little notes and everybody goes crazy because they know what's fixing to come, Friends in Low Places well it's the same way with, with James Wilson's song oh, 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 oh. No, not saying a word. Now I'm over here last Sunday, man, and I'm just barking away, you know. All of a sudden I realize I got someone, my eyes are closed, you know, and I hear someone off to my left just doing even better than me. And I open up my eyes and it's old brother Neto going, oh, and man, when that song was done, I just grabbed him and hugged him. And I said, I love you. He said, all you got to do is be raised in a dead church, Pastor Hoppin, to appreciate what we got right here. He said, I love these kids. I love this music. I'm going to sing with them. I'm going to worship with them. I'm going to magnify God with them. I love that stuff, man. <laughs> I, I, I love that stuff. It's just... Jeff, Jeff Woodworth is here. His brother-in-law owns two Bud Light distributorships in Sparta, which is very close to Madison, Wisconsin. This is what you got to understand. Nobody drinks more beer than Wisconsin. The state of Wisconsin is the all-time beer drinking state in America. But the Madison, Wisconsin area drinks more beer than all the other places in Wisconsin combined. And yet Jeff Woodward's brother-in-law got two two Bud Light distributorships right in that same way. And so he called him, you know, last February, he said, how you doing in the pandemic? He said, Jeffy, when times are good, people drink. He said, times are bad, people really drink. There's no downside to owning a beer distributorship right now. And when he says that, I think it's the same way. If times are really bad and you're under duress and all kinds of anxiety, it's, it's time to get another drink. It's time to go back to the well. It's time to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. And if times are good, you need to thank him for his goodness. Amen. You need to magnify him for his goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Woo! Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I found out drunks don't have feelings. 
You can say the weirdest, wackiest, ugliest thing to a drunkard. He'll go, hey, bless you, brother. And when you get full of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you what, I don't care what people say about you. I love you, man. How you doing? I'm praying for you, brother. Standing by you right now. Listen, I got, I got Bible for this. Here's Acts 2 and verse 4. And they were all, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's Acts 4 and verse 8. Then Peter, who was adding in Acts 2, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, here's Acts 4 and 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. Who's the they? It's the same bunch, man. It's getting bigger, but Peter's there in the beginning. He's there in Acts 4, 431. They were, it said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word with boldness. Here's talking about Stephen in Acts 7, 55. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked up into heaven. Acts 11 and 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. 13 and 9. Saul who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 13 and 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy it's the same bunch. They got it in Acts 2. They got it in Acts 4. They got it in Acts 7. They got it in Acts 11. They got it in Acts 13. Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. It's our answer. It is our solution. We're trying to build a new building in a couple of years. We're not going to do that with the weight that we need. We're going to need a move of the Holy Ghost to where God's going to talk to people and say, you were going to give 20. How about doing 80? You know, really? You really think? And then when you look on the other side of that and you go, oh my God. I, 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 and you see what God has done for you. That only happens with the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about guilt. I'm talking about a spirit revelation in your heart about what you're capable and what he's fixing to bless you with if you'll just take a step of faith and say in the name of Jesus I'm going to do something in this city for the glory of my God stand with me read in Luke, Luke chapter 1 the description of John the Baptist he said he would not be given to drink but he would be full of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb in Jesus name I watch these young people on this platform today oh I'm so proud of the, these kids in this church. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm sure we got a stinker or two in there. Jesus chose 12, and one of them was a devil. So if Jesus, about 8%, you know. Now, I don't know who they all are. I'm sure Bianca and Kento can tell me. But I'll tell you what. When I look at this church, and I look at how we've been blessed... And I look at the goodness of God with what he's done and I'm just going. And if you think for one minute we're going to finish this thing in the flesh, you're out of your mind. The answer is Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Don't be an apostate. Be an apostle. Be filled. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Amen. We're going to sing. I invite you to come around here, mask or no mask. Just come on up here with your hands up. Come here with your heart, amen, and your voice raised. And we're going to magnify God right now, amen. In the first service, we got a horrible phone call, amen, that, 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 that um, um, Barry and uh, Donna were in a very terrible accident. 
on their way to church today. And so, man, at the end of service, we said, let's touch God right now. And the people plugged in and began to intercede in the Holy Ghost. And we just got another call. They're okay. They're going to be fine. There wasn't anything. I just go, I'm so grateful to have access to the Spirit of the Lord. I'm so grateful to have the ability to be able to raise my hands and raise my voice. I got a cousin named Ronnie Osman. He was raised in a terrible church. It, it really was a terrible church. And, and he left and, and, and he went into the military. Brilliant, brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. His, him and his wife, I don't know how many degrees his wife has. She, she, she's, they're both, they're just brilliant. He's been an amazingly blessed businessman. And I still remember, I still remember at three in the morning, call came to that little house where we lived in. Uncle Harry, this is Ronnie, my, my baby. My baby was just born. He, he, he's got a tumor on the brain, Uncle Harry. Would you and Aunt Esther, I'm sorry to wake you up. Would, would you please pray? Because I don't know who else to call. I still remember as a kid hearing my dad wake my mom up, going in that living room and praying until they touched God. And next morning, seven, eight in the morning, call came back. Uncle Harry, they lifted the skull cap off of my boy and took that tumor. That tumor should have been attached with blood vessels. They just literally lifted that tumor off of my boy's brain and put that cap and that plug. My boy's going to be okay. Uncle Harry. People may call you stupid, but they'll also be, you're going to be the one they're going to call at two in the morning when they don't know what else to do. Got to have somebody in my life that's in touch with the Holy Ghost. Got to have somebody in my life that's got a direct line to the Lord. You be that somebody. All right? That's not up just to the preacher and his wife and the staff. It's people, people that can get influenced. Oh, let's raise our hands right now and let's reach up to Him, shall we? Lord Jesus. Mighty God, right now, I ask you, I ask you humbly, Lord. Amen. We can't, we're the biggest fools in the world to try and build a spirit church without the Holy Ghost. We're the biggest dummies in the world if we think we're going to revolutionize lives and marriages and families. Amen. Without the anointing and the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I ask you, Lord, to let us have a nail in a shore place. I ask you, Lord, right now, amen, that men would be the priests of their home, that these women, Lord, would be intercessors, that young people would know how to pray. Amen. Amen. That's what we're after, Lord. Sincere, powerful young men, powerful young women, powerful young married couples, powerful elders. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, even today, I don't know who's in this room right now, but I know you're in this room right now. And I know you're more than willing, God, to minister to the people that have made their way to this house right now. Oh, Jesus, we need your presence.